There's a new music business for the 21st century, and now is the best time ever to be in the music business. Because in the new music business, the artist is in charge. My name's Rick Barker, and I've been blessed to make a living in the music business for almost 30 years. I'm a personal manager, author, speaker. Many know me as the manager who launched the career of Taylor Swift. But what I'm most proud of are the thousands of artists from around the world that I manage daily and help navigate this crazy business. This podcast is designed to keep you up to date with the changes in the business and to give you the mindset, tools, and resources that you need to succeed. Helping you navigate the music industry, here's Rick Barker with the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. So today on the podcast, I'm super excited because I finally get to share with you an organization that if you have been putting music out into the world and you do not know who they are, there is a good chance that this will be the first the first dollar that you ever see a return on in the music industry. I'm with Michael Huppy, who is with Sound Exchange. And Sound Exchange, here's the part, Michael, that I tell everyone. I said, unfortunately, you're trying to function in a dysfunctional business because your rewards are not in direct proportion to the work that you put in. Uh, nobody cares how great you think you are. And unfortunately, there's not one organization where all the money goes and then gets distributed evenly and proportionately. And there was a very missing piece that came along. And I'll share with you the story. And then I want you to jump in here and talk to me about Sound Exchange is I helped a person get a song placed on an iHeartRadio station. So I came back and I said, hey, out of curiosity, how much was that check? And they're like, I've never received a check. I said, what do you mean? I said, I, I know where it is. I know how much this check should be around. I said, well, what did your sound exchange statement say? And they're like, I'm not registered with sound exchange. I said, well, you know, ASCAP's not collecting that, right? I said, you're sitting there waiting for money that's never going to come unless you go back and register with Sound Exchange. I said, but the good news is, is they can go back to like up to three years and collect this money for you. And they did it. And then they send me a note and they're like, thank you so much. I got my check for $16,000. And then a month later, they send me another receipt going, hey, four more thousand just came in January. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to go backwards. I'm teaching people how to put their music out into the world, but I haven't checked to make sure that they've checked all their boxes and registered with everyone. So now insert Michael into this conversation and sound exchange. First off, thank you for being here. Happy to be here, Rick. Happy to be and, here. And second of all, tell everyone who doesn't know what sound exchange is, why it was developed and how it's serving millions and millions of independent and, you know, major label artists all over the world collect royalties that are rightfully theirs? Rick, uh, great question. First off, thanks thanks again for having having us on. It's always great to to talk to you and also you know, talk about not just sound exchange, but sort of the, the industry that we're in. You are absolutely right. You set up top that uh, basically from a business perspective, the music industry is, shall we say, not necessarily organized the most logical way. Um, you know, uh, I teach a, teach a course in, uh, at law school and I've I have this quadrant I've developed where I sort of at a very high level try to explain the music industry. And I say to all of them, they're lucky it's law school and not business school because as a business matter, um, you know, it doesn't really, it makes a lot of, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And that's why it's very hard for people who want to use music to run down all the traps. 
Uh, here's what sound exchange is. First, let me tell you like at a really high level what sound exchange is. We, we are a music tech company that helps power the future of music. We basically sit at the intersection of music and technology and data. And our mission is basically to make sure that music's full value is realized and that the creators that make that music get paid uh, fairly and properly. We're all about basically making the industry work better, growing the pie, and ultimately making these people who create art that we all love so much, making sure they get properly compensated when their stuff is used. You know, we started out um, 20 years ago. We actually, our 20th anniversary is this year. Uh, we started out 20 year, years ago, primarily in the streaming business, you know, uh, digital radio, non-interactive radio, uh, sort of lean back listening, right? You know, right. where uh, where it's, you know, you're not building playlists. It's, it's, um, it's uh, non-interactive, so uh, um, you, there's not as much input required. And back then, we were with companies called Yahoo Music and AOL Music, if you remember, remember any of those. So that was 20 years ago we started doing all of this. Uh, you know, we were paying out a few million in the early years. I will tell you now, as we sit here today, we pay out over $1 billion a year. Wow. Uh, sound exchange alone is 10 to 15% of the U.S. recorded music industry. Um, and we've, we've grown since then. We're still doing that. Uh, we've moved on. We obviously do satellite radio and cable TV radio and a lot of other platforms. We have over 3,600 services that send us data Every month, we process over 35 billion performances a month. Uh, but we've also moved into other things as well. When you think about Sound Exchange, I'd love for you to think about music tech, right? We we have gotten into the music publishing business, which we can talk about later if you want. We sure. purchased a company up in Canada that that does a lot of the music publishing up there. We have a global music a global music publishing business. We are doing other. We have other products out there that. Um, help either uh, various partners in the music industry, you know, make the industry work better. Data matching projects, linking projects, um, some data, uh, data analytics. Uh, we are, you know, we're doing all sorts, anything we can do using our technology and our data and our experience to make the industry work better. We, we move in that direction. So for the independent artist, a lot of questions I get asked sometimes because I'll I'll tell someone I'll, first thing I do to them I said look go download the Song Trust Publishing Guide it's probably the yep. easiest thing to understand and what they get confused on is they're like well if if I have this company and they say they collect my Sound Exchange and they say they collect this and they say this person collects this what I want to ask you you are a manager now you manage an independent artist where should their music be registered with so that you, the manager, knowing you only get paid if they collect money, where would you have every independent artist that you work with registered with? Obviously, it starts with the PRO. So kind of list it out because they think sometimes, and I thought it because it was, like I said, it was very confusing. It's like, well, I've already got Song Trust. Why should I go register with Sound sure. Exchange? Or I'm already with ASCAP or SoCan. Why should I do this? So you're the manager of an independent artist. Walk me through, okay, Rick, we're going to sit down and today we're going to register your music so that all your bases are covered and every possible penny that's available to you is there. Who do we sign up with? Sure. So um, before I list the, list the names, the way when I talk to managers out there in the world or, or you know people just learning about the industry, here's how I think about it. I don't know if this will help you or not, but people need to realize there's two products involved in everything, right? There's the song, the notes yeah. and the lyrics. 
and there's the sound recording, which is the actual fixation on the on the record or the download of everybody knows. And I I explain to people say it's it's like the game of baseball, right? You you know you need a ball and you need a bat to play the game. They're totally different things, totally different products. They're made by different people, have different PLs, have different characteristics, are marketed differently. Right. But you need them both to play. So game you really have work to if you don't have both. If you don't have both. And then it gets even more fun. And let me make it more interesting. And this is why the VC guys go so crazy. For each of those products, you have different activities under copyright law. Sometimes you might just need a copy of something. Sometimes you might need to stream it. Sometimes you might want to make a derivative work out of it, like another song or whatever it right. may be. And ironically, not only do you have to worry about two different products, the song and the recording, but then whatever the conduct is, you got to think, okay, I'm on which, which half of the industry are you on? And then what the particular conduct is, where do you have to go? So for instance, let's take the song. You know, If you're a songwriter, uh, you need to make sure, first off, you mentioned the PROs, they handle yeah. when you publicly perform the song. So ASCAP, BMI, DSAC, GMR, there's probably eight or nine PROs now. The big ones are ASCAP and BMI. Um, but I think there's more and more of them coming as, as this industry expands. Um, you also need to think about if you're a songwriter or a publisher, uh, where is that song replicated? Where does it get um, reproduced? So you should sign up with the MLC. And the MLC is a fairly new creature yep. that handles essentially um, a lot of the digital uh, reproductions out there on the, you know, for the big services. Um, so you want to make sure you're registered with them. Uh, and those, those are the two main places you want to go. And obviously your publisher needs to be looking out for everywhere your your song might be used for a sync or something like that. And that's just the song side. Um, on the recording side, if you're a recording artist, uh, you definitely need to make sure you're registered with SoundExchange. We handle the public performance of the recording or uh, on, on digital services that are non-interactive, like I said. Um, so uh, SiriusXM satellite radio, iHeart online, uh, you know, 3,600 of our services. That's where you need to make sure you're registered. And then really, uh, you need to make sure somehow that your data gets to all of the big ISPs out there, whether it's Spotify or Amazon or Apple. A lot of independent artists, it's a, it's a lot to tackle on your own. So I would suggest you go through a distributor, you know, like a CD Baby or, yeah. or something like that. Um, and that's how you can get your metadata populated out there. Because here's the thing. You know, metadata is not the sexy part of the industry. Nobody joins a band so that their, you know, their their database fields are filled out properly. You don't start a record label because you're really interested in having great metadata. But it's the oil in the engine. It is the thing that helps remove all this friction in the industry. So much money and royalties get tied up in all of these different processes because people don't have the right data, or maybe they have the data, they don't have the data at all, or maybe they have conflicting data, or maybe they only have the data for this country, but they don't really know what's happening over in Europe. So um, making sure when, if you're either a songwriter or a performing artist, out of the gate, like before that stuff is released, you should have all of that information accurate. You know, who owns the sound recording? Who were your backup vocalists? Who were your backup musicians? You know, who's the studio producer? Um, what are the splits for all the songwriters? And these are things that you need to stay on top of if you want to make sure you get paid properly. Well, and no one in the beginning, all they think is I'm just going to record, I'm going to put it out there. And then they wonder why they didn't get any money. And then they don't right. understand neighboring rights and they don't understand. It's like, I sit there and I tell them, 
It's like, there's just make sure all your boxes are checked. You know, sometimes your distributor will do that with you, but it's your business. So you need to go back and say, okay, do you want to use your own ISRC codes? Do you want to use those that the distributor gives you? It's like there, you, if the distributor uses theirs, you don't really have access to go see the back end. but if you use your own. So there's so many different things. And, and that's where I think a lot of the artists get confused is that they just, they think they're covered. It's like insurance. You think you're covered until the accident happens. And then right. you realize, oh crap, you know, I didn't take that part of it or, oh, that's only covered here and it's not covered there. And that's why the publishing side confuses everyone so much. They were like, but Rick, you know, when, when somebody plays a song at radio, that's like 9.1 cents that goes out to the songwriter and the publisher. I said, yeah. And back in the old days, the the publishers and the songwriters were excited, but the person who funded the whole operation, the record company, they weren't getting paid until you sold a record. And that's why all of a sudden streaming comes along and says, oh, why don't we do this? Why don't we pay the publishers and the writers the least amount and the recording person who owns the recording the majority of the stuff? And they're like, but everybody was just, I'm like, no, there's just, there's no function here. This is a very dysfunctional family. And it's like, there's so much happening. And then companies like yourself and the MLC and Song Trust and all the different PROs, they were sitting there. It's like, somebody goes, well, I have CD Baby. So do I really need song trust? And I'm like, well, no, because CD Baby, if you're with CD Baby Pro, is powered by song trust. So have it was just, and I'm just like, shit, when were we going to make this business easier for everyone? Right. You know? Well, you know, and in some ways, um, you know, back go back 20 years when we first started, the 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 thing that Sound Exchange does and the on the recorded side, this right didn't even exist in the US till 1995. Wow. So Unlike the rest of the world, you know, in the rest of the world, uh, at least most of the developed world, if you're sitting in a pub or listening to FM radio or hearing a streaming broadcast or at the dentist's office, wherever you are, when you hear music, okay, uh, that when it's being performed publicly that way, both the songwriter and the performer gets paid in uh, in the U.S., the performers were paid nothing, zero, zilch. Right. Until 1995. So, you know, people that that came up in the industry in the 80s and early 90s or, you know, 70s, they didn't even they weren't familiar with this in the U.S. because it wasn't a right that we had. Finally, right. in 95, we got some of that as an, as, as an industry, meaning um, if it's you know digitally performed through streaming or satellite radio or cable TV, finally, you have to pay both the performer and the songwriter as it should be. We still have this big, huge gap where FM radio in this country, right. the 10 to $15 billion FM radio business, they make, I think it was last check, 11 or $12 billion a year off the music. They still don't pay their performer. They just pay the songwriter. And they right. should pay the songwriter. It all begins with a song, of course. We all know that saying. But if you want to really have it blow out and be really successful, it helps when it ends with a recording. Well, it was interesting because I was working at Big Machine Records at the time when Scott Borchetta struck the first deal with uh, Clear Channel at mm-hmm. the time that the labels would start getting paid a, a percentage of this because everyone was asking me, they're like, Rick, why did the 360 deal come about? I said, because the record companies wanted to start getting paid 
from at the beginning of the relationship and not the end of the relationship. And now that we're in a singles driven business, there may not be a record that ever gets released. I said their old model was they would pay to sign the artist. They would pay to put the artist in the studio. They would pay for the recording. They would pay for radio tour. The artist would go out. The song would rise up the chart. Everyone's at the number one party. The publisher's getting paid. The songwriters are getting paid. The artist who's going in debt, unless they were the songwriter on that project, was not getting paid. And the record company wasn't getting paid. So now that you have a number one record, you're now on a tour. So now the manager's getting paid. The booking agent's getting paid. The artist is getting paid. The publisher got paid. The writer got paid. And the record label's over here going, wait a minute. Why am I the last one to be paid when I'm the one taking all the risk? And that's right. when 360 deals that said, okay, let us partake a little bit of this and let us partake in a little bit of that. And what I was trying to explain to artists as the manager at the time is I'm like, look, you want to pay the bank back as fast as you possibly can if you want to continue to have a seat at the table. I said, because if you don't pay the bank back and they're like, but the record deal was written to benefit the record company. I said, the deal's always going to benefit the person putting up the money. That is life. Why should this be any different? I said, and unlike a loan, you're not in debt to the record company. If they put a quarter of a million dollars into you and then they decide to drop you, you get to move on. Yep. Like, oh my gosh, we didn't understand yep. that. And that's kind of why I started my business 12 years ago was to say, here's all these independent artists. And I started Google searching how to get a record deal, how to get a publishing deal. And all they were were old interviews with Clive Davis. And I'm like, oh <laughs> shit, there's a hole here that I can fill. You know what I mean? It's like I launched one of the biggest stars in the world. I come from radio. I've worked at the record companies. I've been on major tours. I've gotten artist publishing deals and record deals. This is where I'm going. And then what I did is just went out and found smart people like you that could come. I said, I'll go build the audience and then I'll bring in the smart folks to explain it to them. And then the more I hung around, the more I got to learn certain things to where I could guide independent artists and say, look, I'm not your manager but if you aren't registered, like I told you with that story, one day I just went to everyone and I said, hey, here's what you guys need to do. Go in right now, go to soundexchange.com and register. It's free. They're like, what? Yep. They went in, they registered. I said, insert your song titles. I said, they're sitting on a whole bunch of money. They're waiting to pay somebody. And if it's your money, you might as well be the one to get it. And when that first check came back, and like I said, it was like $16,000 in like October and then he sends me another one. He, it turned into a game to him because now he's like, okay, I got 4,000 from Sound Exchange in January. I want to try to double that in February. I'm like, well, it doesn't really work like that, but I love your enthusiasm. Right, right. I love where you're going. But to them, that was found money that was rightfully there. So explain to people how to best figure out if there's any money that's owed to them. Sure. We'll start there and then I have a follow-up question on that. And 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 you're absolutely right. You know, we the stories, so we we pay out um, you know, we have over six hundred thousand accounts that we service and we probably pay out in any given month, you know, somewhere to, you know, call it twenty to forty thousand payments go out. And and you know, Rick, we look, we send and and we uh, people may not realize this, we split it 50-50. So uh, when we get a dollar from, say, uh, Sirius XM Satellite Radio, as an example, uh, we'll take out our very small admin fee, the lowest in the industry, which we can talk about if you want, blows away anybody else. But uh, 50 cents goes to the owner of the sound recording, which, you know, historically was the label. More and more, that's not necessarily the label. A lot, a lot of artists are keeping their own sound recording rights. 
45% goes to the featured artist. And another cool thing that people may not realize, 5% of everything we get goes to a fund that plays that pays background musicians and vocalists. And what I what I think is cool about that is look, those, you know, some of those session, you know, men and women who are they they can make they they have a huge impact on the recording, right? The the one I would use like, you know, the sax line in Baker Street or whatever it may be. Um and historically, they didn't really participate in downstream revenue that much. You know, they went in, if they were lucky, they got double scale with their, for their session, and that was it. With SoundExchange, they participate downstream. 5% of everything goes to a fund that, that pays these folks. So, um, so that's how the money gets split. And yes, we spend, uh, we send very sizable checks to the big record labels and very sizable checks to the big artists, like the one, you know, the right. one that you spend so much time with. But you know what is interesting? We 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 send um, a, a, a substantial part of our payments goes to sort of the up and coming or the middle class artists sure. because the beauty of what we do is there's no limited real estate. What do I mean by that? You know, in the old days, you were fighting for limited space on a FM dial, right? Very little real estate, or you were fighting for the end caps at Tower Records. Everything was driven by like the, the, the terrestrial radios and sales. And that tended to consolidate folks at the top, right? You know, right. Uh, a lot of the, a huge percentage of the money went to the top, call it 20 or 30 X. The beauty of streaming online is you don't have limited real estate. Wherever you live in whatever part of the world, regardless of what your musical itch is, you will be able to scratch it. You know, if you used to be, if you lived in New York City and you wanted, you know, Cajun Zydeco, you probably weren't going to be able to find it, but now you can be in New York City or Alaska or South America and, and get that music. And what that means is it helps spread all of the revenues over a, 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 a bigger stream of people. So we we send payments to uh, you know a lot of middle class or or you know the 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 artists who are still struggling day to day. You mentioned your friend, the sixteen thousand yep. dollar one. Yep. Some of the most you know the the most memorable times in, in my job are when you run across, again, I, I'm happy to help support uh, all layers of the industry, but when you get the letters from, you know, there was one time where we were trying to find the widow of this Delta blues singer, right? And we had a substantial amount of money, you know, uh, the person passed away, records weren't kept really well. We were trying to track down and we finally um, found her and she was just, you know, tearfully joyous at getting our check and we saved her house. She said they were about to foreclose on her house and, and this was going to save her house or the, you know, where you get the band. There's another time we had a band who was on the road, on the road, you know, living gig to gig, sleeping on friends' couches. They, you know, they, they were about to give it up. It's a very hard life. You know, better than most sure. touring is extremely hard. It's very, and you know, it's, it's hit or miss. Uh, it's long hours, long days, long times in, in a van. And this band was about to give it up. We reached out to them. We found them. It might have been at South by. I can't remember where we found them. And we, we, because of our outreach and because of the money we paid them, it sort of incentivized them to keep going on. And Rick, it wasn't just about, uh, oh, now I have, you know, now I'm making more money. It, it validated them in some way. Like, oh, there's people out there listening to me. You know, I, oh my God, I can maybe, I really can make a living in this. Oh, I have an audience. Let so. me say this real quick too, is it is not sound exchange's job to track you down. That's a rarity. If you guys were spending every day, you would have to hire thousands of employees to track down the people. You're sharing some 
very cool stories, but I don't want the listener to sit there and think, okay, I'm just going to wait for that sound exchange representative to track me down and show me how much money I'm right. entitled to. This was some unique situations, but what I, what I, what I think Michael was sharing there is that the money that they're able to, I don't want to say fine because their technology doesn't find anything. Technology collects what's rightfully someone's. So it's right. not like they're finding money. It's this money sitting there waiting for you. And when you go feed the technology, when you go register with soundexchange.com and you give it the information that it asks, the technology is in place to be able to automatically do this for you. So once again, yeah. I'm going to write this in the show notes. 50% goes to who? The first 50? 50 50% goes to the recorded to the owner person. of the sound owner of the sound recording. 45 uh, to the performer. 45 to the feature artist. Okay, feature and artist. And then 5% to, to the uh, a fund that that for background musicians. And so there is no publishing or songwriter share from what sound exchange collects. Well, not from, not from what we're talking about today. As I said, we, we have a company up in Canada that, that does publishing and we have a global publisher business, but for this purpose, we don't, we don't collect. One thing I do want to say though, you know, you mentioned it's not our job to find people and you're absolutely right. Um, it's, it's on them to sort of come to us, but I want to highlight, even though we're not obligated to do it, we do, I think, very amazing things to try to find people. Oh, I could and get them right. Right, like yeah, like I one one imagine. of my one of the favorite things that I literally every year we go to South by, and we get the download in advance of South by Southwest. Sorry, I assume yeah, everybody knows what I mean by that. Right. No, they got it, <laughs> and um, and we get a download of of the list that um, you know, in advance the six thousand or seven thousand bands that are coming, and we cross reference against our unpaid list. And we put, we both send people to their gigs, but we also put up flyers all over the place. Do you know any of this band, any of these bands, we have money for them. And you should have seen in the early years, people thought they were oh. getting punked, getting punked, you know, like, um, oh, come I've on. Someone said good money for me. And I was like, that is brilliant. That yeah. is absolute brilliant. So let me ask you this question. So you're able to hold on to past royalties for how long before they then people hear the story. There's the black box. And if right. you don't collect what's in there after three years, the money gets distributed. Tell, walk us through that real quick. So every collective in the world, everybody who does what we, what we do or similar to what we do, including the PROs, including over in Europe, everybody at the end of the day has some money that, that they can't pay out. Often it's because of bad data right. or messed up data that you can't fix. But you know, some of it may be for people you try to find, try to find. And, um, you know, and you, and you haven't found them. And eventually you have to get it off your books. You can't keep it on there forever. Um, and, you know, like I said, we do things at South by to try to find people. We have an uh, industry relations team who a lot of what they do is tracking down people. And that's a great job, by the way, Rick. I mean, can you imagine your jobs to find people and tell them you have money for them? What a job. We do matches with uh, a lot of the distributors, a lot of the big labels, sometimes, you know, CAA. Uh, we do regular matches with them to see if they can help find it. But eventually, at some point, um, it, 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 technically, it's three years. We often wait a little bit longer. Sure. In fact, we waited 10 years before we did our first uh, release of the money. And then what happens is when we finally do release some money, we, don't, um, we basically refund it to all of our constituents. So um, you know, if you look at if, if we do a pool release in, in Q1 of a given year, we will look to the past three quarters and refund 
on a pro rata basis for all the plays over three quarters of a year, um, refund that money and they actually get it as a, as a refund. If any of your listeners uh, uh, see, see a uh, admin rate refund on their statement, that's what that's that what is. That it's, okay. it's, it's returning money because, you know, really it, it, it's, it's in a way a windfall. It's money that, you know, should have gone somewhere else, but for bad data or, but for inability to find somebody. And in our view, the next best fairest thing, the most transparent thing is to pay it out, you know, and uh, to the people we've already paid, and it basically lowers lowers what our our admin rate is. You know, our admin rate. One of the ways that you judge a company like ours, well, there's lots of ways. One is how quickly do you get the money out? How accurate and transparent are you? How open are you with all of your data? But another thing that people look at is, all right, what does it cost to run? Right. Sure. Like like many nonprofits out there, at the end of the day, it's not our money. It's the it's the creator's money, and we in our blood we want to get as much of it out as quickly as possible to the people we pay. And so um, our admin rate typically for the past many years has been around five percent. Which again, I don't know what you know about admin rates in other organizations in the well, industry, but here's what I know: you either build the technology that Sound Exchange has and collect it yourself, or you pay them whatever it is. It's like the, I, I, I think very different than someone else. If you come to me and say, hey, Rick, here's 95 cents. I didn't say, well, I, I, I'm entitled to the whole dollar. No, I, I gave you five cents to give me 95 cents. I'll make yep. that exchange all day long. And people don't seem to understand that. There, someone said something to me one day about another company. I said, well, it's a hundred dollars just to sign up with them. And I said, yeah, and you know, the work that's going to go into that you're going to get for that hundred dollars, right. about $5,000 worth of work with the amount of things that people have to do. It's like, for whatever reason, independent artists have always this woe is me. Everything should be free. And I'm like, this is a business and you can either have a hobby or you can have a business. So I, I looked at it this way. One of my mentors came to me and he says, so I was stuck at a certain number in my business and I'd hit that number three years in a row. And he says, all right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take over your marketing for you. That first number that you've said you've been stuck at, I don't touch that. That's yours. Everything above that, we split 50-50. Now, my wife, who doesn't understand business, who's been an hourly employee her whole life, he goes, you're going to give someone 50% of your business? I said, no, they're giving me 50%. And right. then she kind of understood it. And that's how I try to explain companies like yourself is that you're not giving them 5%. They're giving you 95% based on what they're able to go out and do for you. And if you can't see giving someone a nickel to collect 95, this is the wrong business for you. <laughs> Well, Rick, I love your optimism. I love the way you look at it. Um, and it's, it's, it's great. Uh, it's a great way to look at it. Um, but you know what, even if, even if we take that five cents, it's better than 10 cents or 15 cents. There are a lot, of, I mean, there, there are collectives in Europe, Rick, you're not, you're not gonna believe this. literally 25, 30% admin rate. Oh, um, I can believe it. And, and even in the U S you know, even in the U S almost really almost any of the other analogs are in the double digits. So we're very proud of how efficient we are because again, we are digital natives. The, the beauty is we were born into the digital world to do this. We were purpose built to live in this environment, which is a blessing because many of the others, you know, 
companies in the industry have been around for 40, 50, 60 years, and they were built around a business model that, to be honest, isn't that relevant anymore. You know, they were built around a sales model, like you said earlier. It was all around selling, you know, 45s or 33s or CDs. And now very few people buy. It's all about the listen. And it's a totally different model. And they all have to adjust, whereas we, we were born into it. Well, and here's what people need to understand. There's always going to be somebody that comes along that says they can do it cheaper, that says they can do it better, that says they can do it whatever. Let me warn you on that. There's a reason that companies like Sound Exchange have been around as long as they have. One is because they've already built the trust. One, they already have been spent sending money. They have the relationships. They have all those things built in place. There's always going to be someone that comes along and says, hey, we'll do it for two and a half percent or we'll do it for this. Very funny story, Michael. When I was managing Taylor and iTunes just became a thing, there was a company that showed up and knocked on the label's door and said, iTunes keeps 70, label gets 30. We're going to switch it. You keep 70, we'll take 30. And the label got all excited. And then me, the manager with no experience, I raised my hand and I said, but let me ask you, do you already have the relationship with the consumer? Do they already trust giving you their credit card information? Yep. Because if you don't have the reputation and the what iTunes has already built, then it doesn't matter what you offer me because you're never going to collect it. It's always going to be about the end user. So musicians, people don't always chase that new thing that comes along that promises you something because there's a lot of startups that had I shifted my business model or moved my clients into that I would be fired right now because those companies no longer exist. Everyone seems to feel that they want to come along with this new idea. So understand who you're getting in bed with. Make sure it's like the, you're making fractions anyway. You might as well collect as many of those fractions as yeah. you can. <laughs> so go ahead and start utilizing companies like SoundExchange. SoundExchange.com, obviously the best place for people to go register. The other question I get asked a lot, is this only for people in the United States? Absolutely not. Yeah, SoundExchange.com is where you go to register. We actually have resources on there where you can look at you know our, our unregistered list. And we basically... Um, we will register for any performer who comes directly to us. So first off, registration is free. I should tell you that. Yeah. Um, doesn't cost a penny to register with SoundExchange. Uh, and you can, be, you can be an American. You can be XUS. Uh, we also, uh, if, you, uh, if you actually sign a membership agreement with us and give us some what we call mandates, we can collect around the world. So we have reciprocal agreements with you know, organizations who do what we do and in 50 plus countries around the world, uh, we probably have, you know, 80 to 90% of the globe covered in terms of, so uh, we can not only give you what we get here in the US, but we can also, if you, if you sign up, also free, by the way, also free to become a member, uh, either you register just to get your US stuff, you become a member and you can give us mandates to go around the world. And, you know, we will go and collect from England and Germany and, you know, so and all those other places. Let me ask you this then. So would that replace a song trust? That uh, well, I mean, I think song trust um, uh, does a similar job on the publishing side. Correct. Right. So I think, um, and by the way, great company, you know, um, they've done amazing things. And uh, um, 
And, you know, if you're a publisher, you'd, you'd want to sign up with an organization like that as well. The, re the reason I'm asking is because it's $100 to sign up with them. And then they have their double digit percentage that they take. And if you're a publisher and you don't want to build relationships with everybody in 200 different countries, then once again, that's found money on this. So if I were to become a member with Sound Exchange, this is for me, the performer, correct? Yes, this is uh, the Sound, sound Exchange um, and the, the much of the billion dollars that we pay out is focused on the performer, the, the artist, the featured artist, yep. um, who may or may not be may or may not be a songwriter. Uh, but as I said, you got to think of those two products, right? Ball yep. and the bat, totally different things. Maybe you happen to make both of them, but if you don't, you you need to focus on whichever part of the business that you're you're working on at that point. Got it. And so you know your thing about trust. You mentioned trust earlier. It it's hard to. I, I love all that you said about trust. It's hard to. Uh, sort of overstate how important that is. One of the things that, you know, I'm kind of most proudest about with Sound Exchange, I think we've built up, like I said, we're 20 years now. When we first started, people weren't sure exactly what we were doing. We were calling up people that hadn't heard of us and we were saying, hey, we got money for you. Just give us, you know, your social and your checking account. <laughs> you know? that's, that's not necessarily always the best basis for trust. Um, but right. I think over these past 20 years, you know, I think people have come to view us as sort of the honest broker in the industry. And one thing you should know, we don't just collect this money. We fight for the value of music in a lot of different ways. We well, are close to Washington. We're, we're constantly um, it, up on the hill trying to, in Capitol Hill in Washington, we just last year, we came very close to passing a bill that would actually get FM radio to finally pay for the recordings like the rest of the world. Um, we go to these rate courts where when, when these rates are set, um, you know, a lot of what, some of what we do is, this, is through a government license and you have to go to a rate court and set licenses. We have managed to get the rates higher than really any place around the world. Here's an example. When, when I first came over to Sound Exchange 15 plus years ago, the effective rate for satellite radio is an example. They, you know, Sirius XM or Sirius and XM at the time, yeah. uh, were paying us like 2% effectively. That is now up to 15.5% of defined revenue. You know, our streaming rate back then, if you look at what it was back then, it's now almost quadrupled. Um, so we're, we are, we've had a good record at, at getting up the rates. We, we've constantly fight in Congress to try to get um, things done. And we also enforce around the industry. If we see people who are industries, companies that are not doing what they're supposed to do, we will we'll, we'll audit. We'll, 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 we audit lots of them. Um, we may end up suing them. And then, you know, some of them are in the news right now, which we don't have to talk about. But an important job of, of us being stewards for mm. the industry is to make sure all these people and all these entities that are making immense wealth, the wealth being created off of music is astounding. And that's great. But you know what? A, a fair portion of that wealth needs to filter its way down to the creators that, that are responsible for, for all of it. And, and so we're constantly fighting, like I said, for, to, to, for the value of music and to make sure that creators are paid fairly whenever their music is used. No, and, we, and, and, and I know everyone involved appreciates that. And one of the things, like I, I said, with people, it's like, I don't even go into here's the 47 different people that you could do. It's like, no, here's go here, go here, go here, go here. One is because I can speak on behalf. This is the best in the world. 
if you're going to go out and try to window shop and bargain shop, I'm not, I don't attract that audience, which is great. I, I have the entrepreneurial minded musician that realizes that they are their first record company, publishing company, manager, booking agent, and they run their business. I always tell them if there's a problem in your business, look in the mirror because the solution and the problem are staring at you. So when you want to fix things, go with the people that know what it is that they're doing and it was a no-brainer when your people reached out and said, oh, would you like to talk to Michael with SoundExchange? I'm like, dude, I've been promoting SoundExchange since I started helping independent artists throughout the world. This will be a very easy conversation. So, Michael, thank you again for uh, for educating and sharing uh, SoundExchange.com. Super easy. I'll also put it in the show notes. And if there's anything ever that I can do for you, please feel free to reach out. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a marketing freak. Uh, I spend tens of thousands of dollars every year. I always tell the creatives you create it. I'll show you how to find an audience for it, but you know, whatever I can do to help support the cause, I'm there for you. I appreciate you uh, for being here. And I'm excited to, to see as you guys continue to fight. Cause at some point, everyone's going to get paid what they're worth at some point right now. It's really hard. So accept every penny you can get every percentage of a penny that you can get know that the people out there fighting for it, that was the most they were able to get at that time, but they never stopped trying. Well, Rick, I, I appreciate you having us on here. Thanks for all those those good words. I love I love your enthusiasm for our, our little company. And by the way, thanks for all that you do. I mean, you serve uh, an incredibly valuable uh, purpose to you know all of your listeners. What you do to help make the industry a little bit more understandable is really yeoman's work. And um, you know, a lot of people I know are, are better off because of because of what you've done. Well, I'm, I'm not just not just in your old job, but even in this current job, what you do to help um, help people understand this crazy but awesome industry that we're in. It's a crazy industry, but there's something alluring about it, something unique about it. And we share, you know, we we kind of you and us, we sh we ha we have a similar view of just trying to make the industry work a little bit better. Uh, remove friction and hopefully everyone will be better off, you know, tomorrow than they were today. Boom. We're going to mic drop with that. Have yourself a good one, folks. We'll talk to you on the next episode. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Rick.